This is Ethical Quandaries. I'm Jessica Veldstra. And I'm Denise Thompson. And today we are having a conversation about something that we're probably both pretty passionate about. Oh, you're only hoping I'm passionate about it. Maybe I won't give you anything and we'll just be planned planned to nothing. (laughs) Nodding to you, say something. Say something. (laughs) But... But I did save something on my phone okay. to talk about, so awesome. I do have one thing. And this one, I, besides my blithering, I didn't actually have to research that much because we both lived through it, so there was that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if you haven't guessed, we both lived through well, the we lived purity. Through a lot of things, but <laughs> by now, we have lived through a lot of things by now. Just this is just one of the things we lived through. We yeah. lived through the purity culture mm-hmm. of the '80s and '90s. Yes. And it was a lot of the culture around us, Mm -hmm. which is interesting because I don't think that a lot of people, even secular people who don't attend evangelical churches, don't think about how it affected them in in the secular world. It was affected Mm -hmm. by this also. For sure. But as far as growing up in an evangelical church... (laughs) (laughs) It was hardcore. There's a lot of there's a lot of things we're gonna touch on today. Uh, I can see Jessica's paper; it's filled, <laughs> and she typed. I it typed this time. it up. I typed instead of just scribbling notes somewhere. I was typing. <laughs> but as uh, of course, I have just a screenshot <laughs> of a meme. So <laughs> it even gets worse. Well, to give a brief history of it, because I think some people have never heard of purity culture. In fact, I Wikipedia. Wikipedia it? I don't think that's a verb. In fact, <laughs> I looked it up on Wikipedia <laughs> and I found out that it's not even, it doesn't even exist. Purity culture is not an entry in Wikipedia, so therefore it must not be that big of what? a term. I know, right? Um, there are people in counseling over this. It I, has it, to it, exist. It, it definitely does exist, but it hasn't gotten to Wikipedia yet. Because I was hoping to get like kind of a brief history real easily. Instead, I had to pull from multiple so- sources, which is, you know, always a problem. So, You're well-rounded yes, and I'm, well-read. Yes, yes, now I am. I knew a lot of this, but I was just trying to get an easy source. So before the 1960s and 70s, the entire American culture basically said no sex before marriage. It was frowned upon, definitely, and if you did get pregnant before marriage, you ended up either getting married or you got shipped off somewhere to have a baby with your great aunt, and then the baby was adopted, and then you came back and... and Or if you and your family were super ballsy, Mm -hmm. which I always applauded the girls who did this, you could sue... Oh, yeah. ...the man who got you pregnant Mm -hmm. for abandonment and neglect. Oh, yeah, if he didn't marry you. Yes, if he didn't marry you, or if he was married, you could Mm -hmm. still sue him, and then that was a crazy uproar, and it, like, actually went out in the papers, like, names went out in papers, and it was in the courts, and, but rarely did that happen, because then you had to stand up in front of court (laughs) and say you were sleeping with either a married man or a man who wouldn't marry you, and it was just this big, yeah. but man, hats off to those ballsy women. wow. And their families, their families had to support them if they were, like, yeah. teens and stuff. 
before that, that was pretty much the American culture. It wasn't always like that. It's funny because we talk about Puritan culture, Puritanism, our Puritan way of life here, and it was actually the Puritans slept together before marriage all the time. In fact, they often wouldn't get married until the woman was pregnant because Pro- well, you don't want to marry pro- a dud. Exactly. <laughs> Procreation was, like, they wouldn't just sleep around, but, like, they would basically get engaged, have sex, get pregnant, and then get married, because if you didn't get pregnant, you probably weren't going to marry each other, because, they, yeah, you, you procreation was so important back then, because you had to have a big family to support yourself you in, in the American you go, wilds. <laughs> you want to go back even further. I mean, yeah. that's what the Jewish culture did mm-hmm, exactly. when Mary was pregnant right. with Jesus, the Jewish culture, you could choose. Yeah. And Joseph and Mary were choosing not to live together. Mm-hmm. But the point that Joseph was upset about was that it wasn't his child. It wasn't that she was pregnant. Right, yeah. And the point that he could divorce her over was that it wasn't his child. Right, and he um, knew that he wasn't sleeping with her. But, yeah, it was, they actually had to state that in the Bible that she was a virgin because she was betrothed. So there it was a very good possibility that yeah, they would be having it was kind of a gray area yeah. that they could have that um, opportunity after. So, I mean, it's never, it's, it's not always been that way, but in the, you know, before, in American culture, before the 60s and 70s. Yeah, I was getting a little out of American culture. And the the other thing, there was just some serious consequences to just random sex, as birth control wasn't really a thing, except for condoms. They weren't super effective, and STIs could kill you. Yes. Penicillin wasn't huge until um, around World War II, and yeah, so that was, that was a problem. And then in the 19th and 60s and 70s was a free love era. Birth control was invented. Almost every STI could be cured by penicillin. I mean, and so there was not nearly as many consequences. And so we had the free love, uh, you know, people having more sexual liberation. And then the backlash to that, what happened... Well, it was also second wave feminism. Yep, second wave feminism happened during that time. Yes. Um, so then the backlash happened to that in the early... There's always a backlash. (laughs) Yeah. Late 70s, early 80s, when the AIDS epidemic happened, all of a sudden penicillin or antibiotics couldn't cure that STI. So all of a sudden sex education became big. Using condoms became big. There was panic. The moral majority came about, and safe I feel se- like the term "safe, safe sex" got coined. Yeah, which which we'll talk about. I might talk about later as being something that I remember saying and having brutally been corrected. Oh, <laughs> and then the moral majority came about um, or late seventies, early eighties, and ruined all of our lives. Can. In multiple ways, but this is one of them. <laughs> they they integrated politics and religion, which we'll talk about at another time. But we've talked about it a little bit before. But also, they started kind of this purity culture, the beginning parts of it, where where virginity and purity and abstaining from sex before marriage was seen as your your worth. Basically, that's where your worth was yes. as a person, and especially as a woman. And oh yeah. Then, in 1997, you were, you were engaged, were you engaged in 1997? I was 16 in 1997, so, uh-huh. and then turned 17, I think I got engaged 
the end of 1997. Okay. But I was, se- yeah, I was 17. Okay. So I, I'm just a hair younger than Denise, just six months, but we were in different kind of places in our lives. And, um... <laughs> so many people were in the place that I was in. <laughs> and I was a grade younger. So I got, in 1997, I got a book given to me by somebody who will remain nameless because she would be horrified <laughs> if she remembers that she gave me this book. <laughs> I didn't get given this book. But it, I Kissed Dating Goodbye by Josh Harris. And that was the basically the culmination of purity culture in a book. And it changed a lot of things. Just like in my school, it changed stuff the way... That book became the rule. That book did not serve the purpose as it's a book Mm -hmm. this is an option this is a way that you can choose it became almost like gospel truth like the rule (laughs) to live by for sure and I mean I watched it I didn't experience it Mm -hmm. I had I think I think my my parents didn't were not aware of it and uh, so I got kind of lucky and I think anyone else in my life was kind of like well she's lost already (laughs) she's already gone she literally has no dating left to do. <laughs> they saw that, yeah, I was a hopeless case. Ah, I see. So they probably just didn't give me one. So uh, the book, and I actually, my parents thought it was kind of a stupid book too, <laughs> even though they usually were fully on board with a lot of uh, evangelical things. They thought it was silly. But the book basically stated that you should not date before you're ready to get married financially ready and otherwise ready to get married and then you should only court after that and courting would be like in a chaperone setting like a lot of family get-togethers where everybody's around so back to the financially I don't remember Mm -hmm. that being pushed yeah the financial Mm -hmm. aspect I remember Mm -hmm. all the physical stuff really Mm -hmm. being pushed on people but I do not remember the financial aspect being pushed it was like yeah, that was kind of in there. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to, you want to be able to take care of yourself, but they were more. It was yeah. It was, of course, everyone focused. If you're evangelical, yeah. you're gonna focus, focus on, on the, the physical sex. and the sex. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But yeah, but it basically was saying, don't date at all until you're actually ready to get married. Yes. You're so you're out of high school. You're ready to. And go. you basically date with the intention of marrying that person. And you da- don't go go on dates. No. You do real life experiences and only chaperoned. Because dating was practice for divorce, according to them. Because you date somebody, and then you break up, and then you date somebody else, and then you break up. So that's like practice for divorce. And each time, they said, you date somebody, or you have a crush on somebody, or you have feelings for somebody, you give yourself away. Yeah, you're giving away a little piece of your work. So I didn't get this book, but I obviously was told these things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I feel like he wrote this book. um, Oh, and he was 21. All of his, his great wisdom at the age of 21 he was a virgin at the time. He is not married. Yes, he's so. not in a relationship. Mm-hmm. He was 21 years old. He mm-hmm. was a virgin. And he wrote a book about all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And and the promise. And the prom. Okay. So there was all of these rules. And we'll be going mm-hmm. over these and just splouting them off and hurting your brain probably <laughs> with all of these things that we have inside of us that we were told mm-hmm. as, as teens, young teens and kids even. But 
I think it really started in, really hit hard in 1992. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he came out with his book in 97, mm-hmm. but I feel like his book was really just a response of things that right. were going on in 1992. And what right, had happened sure. in 1992 was when uh, Pure, what is it, True Love Waits campaign oh, uh-huh. came out. Mm-hmm. So the True Love Waits campaign. Did, How did do you, I know these things? Did you get Brio? No. Oh, man. Brio. We had a Patrick car. did, though, so oh, I know all about it. He didn't get Brio. Brio, isn't that that He got magazine? Breakaway. <laughs> Brio was the girl's... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> breakaway he probably got Brio. Who knows? He was like, what's this? No. So, yes. I think he got... I think he got that. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, I did, didn't get... I, I didn't get Brio. The Naz- Nazarene has their own publishing house, so yeah. when I grew up, we had Nazarene Publishing House, so there okay. was a teen magazine... Oh, guys, I don't even remember what it was called, but there was a teen magazine that I did get. That along with my Seventeen magazine. Which one did I read more, do you wonder? (laughs) So I feel like it started in 1982, but his his book was in response to that. about five years later. Mm -hmm. And he writes his book, and it's like law, and it's all these things, and I'm losing my train of thought. It promised... At the oh, end. Oh, yes, yes. If you so, do all, everything right, you do, you don't, you don't have sex before marriage, you don't give yourself away emotionally, either, or physically. or physically, you only have feelings for this one person that you're going to court, but don't have feelings for them before you get married. You even have to keep yourself emotionally pure before marriage, which, don't even get me started on that. <laughs> First of all, how? <laughs> But okay. But you, so basically, be dead inside. <laughs> um, and then, if you do everything right, don't hold hands, do not do any physical stuff before marriage. Your on reward. the wedding night, your, your reward. reward will be fantastic sex. Yes. And for the rest of your life. You will be blessed. <laughs> you will be blessed with wonderful, heavenly sex. And, and you a will perfect have marriage. a wonderful, perfect marriage you know, because you, you did had, everything right. All you had to do was do everything right before marriage. You don't have to try during marriage. You're going to be fine. But <laughs> sex is going to be wonderful. Yes. Because anytime anybody does something for the first time, it's always perfect. <laughs> and you're going to meet your Prince Charming, too. This guy is going to be amazing if he follows these yes. rules along with you. So he's going to be Prince Charming. He's going to know what to do. You're going to know what to do. It's going to be blessed by God. And, and yeah, that is your reward. So there's Sounds some, kind of nice, doesn't there's it? There's some issues that obviously came up with this. <laughs> obviously, parents, a lot of parents love this idea because it kept, they felt like it kept their kids safe. They felt like, you know, well, a, lot yeah. of, a lot of these parents were actually raised or grew up, were teenagers in the 60s and 70s, yes. and, and, and were on the opposite end of the spectrum. <laughs> I remember my mother telling me, that she didn't like that I would have boyfriends. Mm, mm-hmm. And I've always loved boys. Mm, mm-hmm. Like, always loved them. And I didn't always have a boyfriend growing up, but I always I always really liked boys. <laughs> um, there was no me question. Too. <laughs> there was no question about it. Like, I remember my mother having to talk with me about kissing boys behind the church mm-hmm. when I was probably four and five. Like, I think that's I had inappropriate, a similar Denise. You need to not do this, yeah. or you know, just little things like that. Very innocent things, mm-hmm. but I always liked boys. So I remember in middle school wanting to date, and the rule in my house was I was not allowed to date until I was 16 years old. I really bent that rule my year, my 15th year, mm. because I was a young sophomore, mm. and my sister was 16 when she was a sophomore, and I was only 15. Mm-hmm. So I 
used that to my advantage. I also used the fact that I was the fourth child. My parents were older and they were super tired by the time <laughs> by the time I got there. But my mom was like, Denise, I don't like you having boyfriends. You you say that this boy is your boyfriend and then you um you break up and then you have another boyfriend and you're exclusive to mm-hmm. them. She said, When I was a kid, we would always date. You would go out to a mm. dance with this boy. You would go to the movies with this boy. You would do this with this boy. And then after a long time of dating multiple, like going mm-hmm. out on dates with multiple guys, you you could do like uh, go you know steady. go steady. Mm-hmm. You could take his pin or mm-hmm. you wear his jacket, and then that would be your steady boyfriend. Right. And she really didn't want me to have a steady boyfriend, and so she saw me going from steady to steady mm-hmm. to steady to steady, and that wasn't how she. They're, that's not that's how, they how they were, were raised. raised. They were raised to date different people right. to find out who what kind of person right. you liked and who you wanted to go steady mm-hmm. with. And so my mom would thought this was a really great advice, and I remember just sitting with my <laughs> mouth open and saying, I can't do that because I would be a slut. slut. Yeah, you could, yeah. In the 90s, the culture was you hang out with a group of friends. And then you find And then one. you find one, and then you hang out with them exclusively. You yes. don't go on multiple dates because then you'd be a skank. Yeah. <laughs> That's just, just not how it was done. No, um, not at all. <laughs> but yeah, it was completely different. And so like that was a culture, like it just changes with the culture. It changes with the times. I don't think ni- either one of those is necessarily bad or right or wrong. But I can see why but, a parent would like the purity yeah. culture because mm. I mean, I'm laying on my floor at 15, 16 years old in a ball, sobbing, mm-hmm. so-and-so Someone broke up, up with, with me, you. Mm-hmm. you know, just, I can't eat, and I'm losing weight, my parents have to watch this, and right. I can say, having just dealt with this just a little bit in my life, mm-hmm. being the adult and ha- and watching a kid you love go through a breakup, mm-hmm. is devastating. Mm-hmm. It actually was almost <laughs> as devastating, and yeah. worse, it's mm-hmm. worse because it's not you. you know you. what that, like, little what emotions, that little heart and, and, and your, your hormones are so much stronger, so emotions are so much stronger when you're young, and so, yeah, it, I mean, trying to, basically, as a parent, you're trying to save your kid from hurt. Yeah. Problem is, <laughs> it didn't work <laughs> at all, because it, it caused a lot more problems. One of the things is, is that it basically put your entire worth on your sexual status and if you were or were not having sex it also puts your worth on your body right and so that was a huge problem there's no other i don't think there's any other sin that you're like well if i do this once then i'm screwed for life yeah i mean like unless it's like something like murder (laughs) may go to jail for the rest of your life but other than like something serious like a serious crime Something like a sin that's not against the law. There's nothing like that. You're like, you're unredeemable now. You're screwed. So that was huge problem. Yeah. I mean, you might come out of it if someone takes pity on you. Oh, yes. And, and then and they then can, you probably we, use that against you mm-hmm. the rest of your life. Yeah. And if you have any problems the rest of your life, it's, it's because, because of you, that. you went and had sex before marriage. Yes. Or, or even gave yourself away emotionally. And I mean, and don't get me started on masturbation. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Do we touch on masturbation this time? <laughs> we could. I got that stupid song from <laughs> Good Christian Fun that I poured in my head. Masturbation! <laughs> there look is it up. A- there is a song called Inward. It's horrible. <laughs> yes, look it up. It's bad. I thought it was a joke. Well, it kind of or maybe is it's a the joke. Big M. I don't know. It's horrible. Oh, it's the Big <laughs> M. I think it's the Big the M. The Big M. Yeah, and it came out. It's one of the good Christian funds, uh, 
worst Christian songs of all time. Yeah, it was nominated. Mm-hmm. So, and I think it should win. Yeah. Just, oh, it's I'm gonna so put bad. That out there. But if also, it goes to your head. Podcast. That's a good podcast <laughs> yes. to listen to. Different than ours. They're much better. Mm-hmm. Anyways, but, but yes, masturbation was definitely you could not do that for sure because that was looked at as a form of giving yourself Self-aware. away, mm-hmm. thinking lustful thoughts. Mm-hmm. And the only way you can masturbate is to be sinful. So right. masturbating, even though it's not in the Bible, FYI, was no. seen as... It was also in there, on yeah. there. So that was a big thing when you I know was a kid. You know what's also not in the Bible? Hmm. Courtship. Oh, yeah, courtship. <laughs> <not in the laughs> but they... So that was interesting because basically courtship is an old word, and so old must be better. It's kind of the, like the make American great again <laughs> going backwards to to say oh well in the good old days when we had slavery and there was women's always, oppression it's always I mean there's always been good and bad exactly always been good and bad and I feel like if you go backwards you can take some good things like say well this has really got skewed mm-hmm. and let's go back to how great that was that was really positive mm-hmm. but to do a sweeping statement <laughs> to do yeah, yeah to no. pick things because they're old, old is not, not because, yeah you know, I and mean, we're just, not doing lynchings in the no. square anymore. <laughs> Thank goodness. No. So, I mean, there's a lot of things they did at the time of courting. That... Yeah, that we're not doing. Um, and so courting isn't necessarily good or bad. It was just what it, they were doing back then. And it was the olden days. And so, like, I feel like also there was a lot of single-person buggy rides back then. Like, two or two-people buggy rides that weren't whatever. Anyway. So... I think you were supposed to have a chaperone, <laughs> even in your buggy. Well, Maybe. So, anyway, but one of the other things is his point was is that it was supposed to be, like, real-world dating, which I can kind of see the point of, like, not just going to dinner and being on your best behavior. But I felt like we, in the 90s, almost never did unreal dating, except for, like, prom or whatever. Yeah. It was all hanging out. So it was all just, you you but barely. But prom was hanging out. Right, you but know? you barely ever, like, dressed up, went to dinner, oh, did yeah. dancing. Because like, you're a teenager. Because you're a teenager. So you're just hanging out <laughs> all the time. You're doing homework and you're, you know, yeah. doing your, working at your job and, like, hanging watching out. Watching movies. Watching and... movies. You're doing your real life. You're not actually going out to a dinner because you don't have money. Any money. <laughs> <laughs> no. Exactly. Yeah, anyway. So you and I didn't, ex- ha- like, we didn't experience that in dating, but I feel like I did really experience the purity culture in being told that that's where my worth was. Uh-huh. So Josh Harris's book just kind of was in writing form what I had always been told mm-hmm. in church. Weirdly enough, not told as much at home. I mean, like, my parents let me date. Mm-hmm. Obviously didn't think about the courting thing. They mm-hmm. wanted me to have multiple dates mm-hmm. with multiple people. <laughs> I think that's kind of how my parents looked at dating, too. They're like, you can date when you're 16, and and but my the person had to ask my dad, and so that never actually, I never had a date in high school that actually flew went actually through my dad because there were a few things Mm. that came out of my house that I look back and I think um were destructive in the way that I viewed the opposite sex Mm -hmm. um that they were always maybe trying to get something from me Mm. um my dad boys only want one thing boys only want one thing type of attitude Mm -hmm. but I feel like that is probably the the biggest thing that was negatively impacting my from home Mm -hmm. I started to experiment with 
uh, my body when I was very, like, nine, mm-hmm. which is young, mm-hmm. and was feeling absolutely horrible about mm-hmm. it. Um, just not anything serious, just, like, finding out what I was made of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I remember telling my mother, sobbing in tears, <laughs> just coming to her and, like, telling her because I could not hold on to the guilt anymore of you know, finding my vagina for the first time. And <laughs> my mom was like, oh, oh, no, that's normal. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> She's like, oh, no, that's normal, honey. That's the way you're made. That's the way God made you. Mm-hmm. He made you, made certain parts of your body to feel good, and that is something that you'll experience more as you get older. And she just left it at that. And I remember just being like, oh. It's normal. That's great. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I remember a few times my parents talking to me like, Denise, you really need to stop changing in the living room. You're getting too old mm, for this. Right. Yeah. Um, but I never really, f- <laughs> I was obviously a kid with great boundaries. <laughs> They're like, you're getting too, too old. old to stop change. changing yeah. in the living room. <laughs> People are going to come in the house and <laughs> change in the living room. But like, I never, when, like if I was changing, mm-hmm. my parents would, my mom wouldn't, never turn around and be like, oh my goodness, cover yourself. Yeah. We, I mean, and I think it was from my mom being a nurse. Right. And so talking about yeah. all the body parts yeah. with the right, all the time. and we talked about mm-hmm. this before in our other podcast, Use like, the right names. using the right names yeah. for things really helped with um, any sort of shame from home. Now, take home out of it and put what church did, mm-hmm. and it was a completely different experience oh, for yeah. me. Oh, yeah. Completely different. So, youth group. Oh my goodness. It was before youth group. Oh. I would say even preteen things were uh, getting said. The True Love Waits mm-hmm. came out, and I remember that being a new thing. Mm-hmm. So in 1992, I would have been 11. Right. Mm-hmm. So 11 and then turning 12 that year. And you may need to make this decision that pledges yourself to True Love Waits when you're 11, and you don't even really understand the full concept of sex at all. No. <laughs> or making love or anything, or anything. like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I can say that, yeah, I signed a paper mm-hmm. when I was 12 yeah. saying that I would wait to marriage. And and not only did you just, it's not like they just threw a paper in front of you and said, do you want to wait? And of course, at 12 years old, you want to be like, right. oh my oh, gosh, yes, I'm yeah, be I good. want my <laughs> life to be perfect. This, I want a good marriage. <laughs> yes, this equals this. Yeah, this is mm-hmm. exactly, life is going to be mm-hmm. grandiose now. Why wouldn't you sign right, it? exactly. You know, at 12 years old. So... And, but they had classes that went mm-hmm. along with those oh, papers. Yeah. Yep. And they had things like rings, mm-hmm. and they and had... And why wouldn't you want a shiny ring exactly. when you're 11? You're 12, 11, 12 years old? I want a shiny ring. I want a, I want a shiny ring that says how wonderful and well, great I, I, I am. am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because I haven't, like, let anything happen mm-hmm. to me. And, yeah, at that age, it's, it's really easy, yeah. and mm-hmm. it's really um, attractive. Right. So I was really on board at 12 years old. But later coming out with what kind of things were taught at those meetings really starts messing with you. Yeah, your head, yeah. And so some of the things that youth pastors would use to talk about... I'm really lucky that I didn't experience this. I I would have been really scarred. I don't know if I experienced any of these things. I experienced similar things, but not these things. I know what you're going to um, talk about because I remember pe- yeah, we have friends, we had that, friends that, that happened to. I actually had a, I did have a friend whose father did pass around a daisy and everybody plucked 
uh, petal. petal from the daisy, and he said that each time you give yourself emotionally to a boy, that's what happens, and then you have nothing left. Which is interesting, because I feel like, actually, when you date, you actually gain experience as well, <laughs> and you learn something about yourself, and you learn what you may want in a future spouse, and what you may not want, mm-hmm. but you know, whatever. So some of the things that they would so, do. Some of the things that they would do is, like, a youth pastor would pass around a rose and ask everybody to feel it, really smell it, experience it, just use it whatever Touch way it. they want, and they'd pass this around a hundred kids, and at the end, of course, this rose is just destroyed and they would say well that's the way it is when you have sex with more than one person yeah it will destroy you try to put it together they would that would that would be Mm -hmm. one thing and like I said this never happened to me as a teen but I did see a little form of it as an adult Mm, but you see it was it was basically like a crinkled paper Mm, mm, mm -hmm. and try to get the crinkles out out. and then the other one is uh this one is the worst i almost gag every time i think about this one is the i can't bear i want to la 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 la, close my ears so this is something that they would do to children i like i can't even handle just the experience of being in a room with this i couldn't even i couldn't even handle but they would all spit in a cup and pass it all the way around and say drink it and that's what it would be like to have sex with somebody who's been sexually active with other people which is well it was like a cup of water it (laughs) started as a cup of like beautiful Mm -hmm. pure water and then they would spit in it Mm -hmm. yes and it was like that's what you're that's what what you are and so um, do you feel like this was really targeting women or boys i think that it was well for our girls or boys it was definitely there was seemed to be more repercussions to women, but both women and men were taught to be pure. And we'll talk. I mean, I've got other things about women later, but yeah, both <laughs> men and women were definitely. We have said, to follow the page. Sorry, the page, the page. <laughs> <laughs> but we, the both men and women were taught that they needed to stay uh, absent until marriage. Yes, equally. So one of the things with that is. You have, okay, even just the word purity is, like, clean, pure, spotless, you know, like, you get this idea of something very clean, and then what they would do is do something very dirty, like a spit cup thing, and then you have this disgust feeling. Mm-hmm. So you have pure versus dirty, and your natural biology is going to have a, a leaning toward something that's clean versus something that's dirty because you your your biology wants to protect you. You don't want to get into dirty things or disgusting things. Yes. Um, because uh, obviously your body wants to keep on living, and, and dirty things tend to be dangerous to you. And so what they do is they use the language itself to say, oh, this is per- this is very clean and this is very 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 dirty and disgusting. So you actually had this physical physical sensation, physical reaction to somebody who's had sex. Yeah. Like, which is pretty, pretty terrible. I sadly liked boys and <laughs> did not have that. <laughs> but I can see what you're saying. Right, yeah, right, right. Totally. Yeah. This is something that, mm-hmm. that counselors are dealing with. Right, yes. Right now. For right now people. is, so, and then they also had, this is, this purity culture is tearing, tearing families apart. Yes, right Tell. now. There's so much bad reactions to it. So then there's also purity balls. Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, so I'm gonna link down underneath um, to a dollop, which is a uh, it's definitely a secular. There's gonna be a lot of language podcast, but it's about the two guys discussing who is who have never been exposed to evangelical culture whatsoever, 
the idea of purity balls in a comedy podcast. And it's pretty much exactly what you would think. I mean, you guys, a purity ball. So explain what a purity ball is. Purity ball is where a father takes his daughter and they usually get a beautiful white dress, pretty, Mm -hmm. it's a a beautiful ball. And And who wouldn't want a white dress? Who wouldn't want to go to a beautiful ball with their dad with a white dress? I mean, yes, there there are some children that would totally not be into that. I would love a white dress. (laughs) I would have loved it also. I had a father who was an introvert and he was, if I had, I mean, I remember remember hearing about these purity Mm -hmm. balls. We never had one available to me at, at the church, but I remember hearing about mm-hmm. them and thinking they sound wonderful <laughs> you go with your dad I mean this is totally obviously before I was a teenager mm-hmm. I was preteen. I was like I, go, I would go with dad and dad would dance with me mm-hmm. and all this and then I remember like kind of thinking to myself no he wouldn't he would never go with you like and so I never had the opportunity but this was going on around mm-hmm. me I saw pictures I was a little envious of mm-hmm. these girls that got to pick out these dresses and so then you pledge your virginity and you pledge to your father that you'll keep to be a virgin yeah. Which is creepy as fuck. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, so, it's so creepy. Okay, so. There, I knew people that would also, they would wear locks around mm-hmm. their neck. Mm-hmm. Like, I had a lock. As a, as I a didn't necklace. wear it, but I was given it by the same person who gave me the Josh Harris book. But I shall knew remain people nameless. <laughs> who would wear these locks mm. and their father oh. would have the key. Yeah, because your dad owns your body. He does. Oh, oh wait. Don't you know that? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Serious issues I really with hope that. my <laughs> sarcasm's coming across there. And the thing is, is, like, I feel like if I was to actually talk to my father about this, he would be so uncomfortable. Mm, okay. Like, he would not. But I think unknowing to my parents, they were letting me grow up mm-hmm. in this culture. Oh, yeah. Where I was like, ooh, she's got a lock. And, you know, a few years after that, I mean, it didn't take me that long to be like, ooh, that's super <laughs> creepy, like heebie-jeebies. It didn't take me that long. Right. But there was a time that that mm-hmm. was super attractive to me. And, and when everyone, I can't imagine going to a church that held those balls and all the other girls are going. Right. And all and the other fathers go. are going. And you, you don't, don't get go. a pretty white dress and a ring. And then they <laughs> tell you, because you're not doing this, you're dirty. You're right. Yeah. And you're unworthy and you're not lovable Mm -hmm. it blows my mind so okay so then um also premarital sex was seen as infidelity to your future spouse because you were saving yourself for your future spouse your body belongs to your future spouse yes and so therefore any kind of sexual stuff beforehand or even feelings for another person was (laughs) infidelity to your future spouse i was so (laughs) screwed Oh, I had so many crushes. I had some hardcore crushes. Well, and I try to look back and I'm like, did I really probably like eight boys at one time? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, 100%. I was all over the place. All the time. Oh, that was ridiculous. But, so some of the issues started coming out in about 2002. And uh, actually, uh, Dr. Tina Shermer Stellars had to specialize... She's a sex therapist, and she started having to specialize in people who came out of purity culture because they were so screwed up. Because <laughs> what happens when you get married? We have married, our own special sex therapist <laughs> therapy now. <laughs> because what happens, and we're gonna link down to one of the po- uh, podcasts that she does. But 
what happens is when you get married and you haven't had sex before and you feel like just that, just not having sex and not having feelings beforehand is going to give you a good marriage. And it, and it gives you, it doesn't only just give you a good marriage, it gives you worth uh-huh. and it gives you power uh-huh. and it gives you all of these things you that you... You are a good Christian because of that. And you're pure. Yes. And you're, and now and you're, you're lovable going, because and of now it. you're going to have awesome, amazing sex just because of that and a great marriage. Now the problem is... So what happens <laughs> when you get married and that night you and go from zero... two virgins... You go from zero to you 60. You can't have any feelings. You haven't held hands. No, you haven't. You yeah. have to shut off all your feelings before this. Oh, and by the way, you've had your first kiss earlier that day. day at your wedding. <laughs> and now you're, you, you expect this to be wonderful. And of course it's not. We all know it's not. <laughs> you get naked. Someone looks at you. You're a little nervous. You have a fluttery stomach. Oh, what happens? Wait. It's supposed to be perfect. I don't feel perfect. Mm-hmm. I'm doing something wrong. This is wrong. It's yeah. not working. Yeah. And then it just all... Instead of... Crumbles. Facing it pe- with humor. Yeah. Because, like, if And you're, laughing at yourself. Right. Because, like, you know, realistically, anytime you're going to try something new, you're not going to be great at it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you should have seen me on a snowboard. <laughs> yeah. And the inside just can be complicated. And especially when it's your first couple tries. And... And if you can do that with humor and love and adoration and just try different things and be okay with and not, be okay be with, with, with not, not working perfect. great the first time, it will work eventually with a lot of practice. But they don't tell you that. They don't tell you, oh, you have to practice at this. You're going to have to practice a lot at this and have a good sense of humor about yourself and just keep on trying. Really get to know this You'll person. You'll just really, you just, this, this will take a few move years. Move slow. <laughs> They don't yeah. tell you to move no. slow. They don't they, tell you they that say you you're don't gonna have be to fabulous the night. first time. Yeah, and yeah, that's the other thing is you don't have to have sex the first night. Um, but you've been waiting so long, and you're supposed to be perfect, and then it just all falls flat, and then you feel like you've been cheated, and yeah. because you've been lied to, you've been and you lied have to. been lied to. It's a lie, by the way. And so it's pure and the, simple. It's completely a lie. The purity culture is a lie. Yeah, and it's it's completely a <laughs> they lie. They lie to you. They, be mad at the people who lie. Yeah. <laughs> So it's not going to cause a good marriage work, you know, how it has a good marriage working at having good communication and let's, and, and all let's that. clear it. Let's clear this up too. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not saying people who choose to wait no. until they're married are not going to have a good marriage. No, but that's, that's not, not what, what we're causes saying. you to have a good marriage. No. <laughs> and so also that's, and especially if that's what you're relying on instead of relying on communication, self-discipline caring for the other person, selflessness, just, you know, working really hard at it. If you're really just depending on your virginity before marriage, that's what's going to cause it. It's, it's just going to fall flat. And so um, the other part of it is anybody who had sex before marriage or even experimented a little bit, they also felt like they were completely worthless. Mm-hmm. And so people who were in kind of mixed relationship where one person had sex and one person didn't before marriage... Huge problems. Huge problems because they had, didn't. That one person wouldn't trust the other person. Felt like they were cheated on beforehand. Yeah, and then also to top off the whole thing. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting really animated. 
arms are waving. <laughs> is the whole focus with women on the whole modesty and that it's your responsibility to keep other men pure and that basically all they're thinking about is sex and it's all your fault. And mm-hmm. your husband has no control. No. Which I think is interesting because the whole thing was about control and all about you mm-hmm. waiting and him waiting mm-hmm. with you and then you both wait and then all of a sudden it's like the man can't control himself <laughs> and now he has no control and you have to make sure that you're there for him when right. he doesn't have control. Mm-hmm. It's so messed up. Yeah, part of and that it, is like you have to give him sex or else he's going to cheat on you because it's all your fault. It's all the woman's fault. Yeah. Or, or I mean, or it could go both ways too. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. if the if the guy wasn't giving the woman sex, I mean, we're generalizing it. Yeah. A lot of times it goes the other way, yeah. but but that's yeah. kind of what usually what's coming from the pulpit. I feel like is that, that is mm-hmm. the, these are these like spider mm-hmm. little things that come off of it. These little tentacles mm-hmm. that grab and pull, and they come out of this purity culture, and they just ruin yeah marriages. So one of the things with this is there's of course a huge problem with rape or um, sexual assault victims. Elizabeth Smart, who was kidnapped. She she was that kidnapped victim. That was the one thing I was going to talk about Okay, talk about that (laughs) I lied. That's not the one thing. dang it. (laughs) But I did have it in my bucket of tricks. We both knew about Elizabeth Smart. (laughs) I did have her in my bucket of tricks because I actually really like her. Mm -hmm. I Um, do too. (laughs) And I like that she has been bringing up purity culture. And Mm -hmm. interestingly enough, she did not grow up in the evangelical church, but she did experience purity culture. She Mm -hmm. um, grew up in the church. Mormon. Latter-day yeah. Saints, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. She grew up in the Mormon church where she was told that her worth was mm-hmm. in her her modesty, mm-hmm. her worth was in her virginity, and her worth was in keeping all of that pure. And when she was kidnapped, she was... 14. 11. Oh, she. I didn't realize she was that old. I think she was 14. Okay. But she was, I could be wrong. She was still pretty young, so she yeah. didn't, she hadn't, like, conceptualized all of this or anything like that, so basically yeah, it wasn't she like, completely 100% bought into it. Yes. to this, that her worth was in her virginity. And, and she so, was very proud. Like, right, that was yeah. something she was proud mm-hmm. of. And so what happens when you get raped? Right. And so she... Or molested. Yeah, and so she said that some of the things that she thought was... Why would it even be worth screaming out? Why would it make a difference if you're rescued? Your life has no value. Because mm-hmm. she felt like she had no value after she was raped. Which, and I, I mean, mean like, that's devastating. I mean, she's come a long way from that, and she's written books and stuff, and she's a huge advocate, which but is she, awesome. But at but that point... That hmm. she could hear. Mm-hmm. She could hear them calling her name at one point and yeah. thought to herself, Why? there's no point. Yeah. Which I'm is done. I mean, like that's devastating, and that's that like that's pretty extreme version of that what is an a extreme lot of girls, but like, but a lot of girls out there are getting molested. Girls <laughs> or have sexual assault happen to them before their um, age of eighteen, and so if you think about that, that's when you've got a hundred. Uh, you have hundred girls, girls in, in that youth group. In that youth group, twenty-five of them are saying, "Well, I'm worthless." Then, yeah, you from no no kids. choice of them their own. 25% right off the top, I'm worthless. And then you've got, yeah, the other maybe 25% who have decided to, to yeah. touch their boyfriend inappropriately. Yeah. Who believe that they are worthless. So, yeah. So it, it doesn't just mess no. up the people who wait. No. It, it messes, messes up the people who have... Trauma in their lives. Trauma. Yeah. Or who have made decisions mm-hmm. to go a different way. Right. And so... How do we teach purity culture consciously along with mm-hmm. um, the, fa- the fact that we're teaching that Jesus forgives every Like, mm-hmm. that because Jesus died, everyone's sins are forgiven. Right. There's nothing 
there's but but there is none of that we're putting all these extra rules on right and then then you can't to me it doesn't coincide you can't and we're saying that this is the most important thing if you screw up on this you're screwed versus if you screw up on like i said before like you're eating one day you're not screwed if you you know binge one day you're not screwed if you (laughs) spend uh you know a hundred dollars that you didn't have on something that you really wanted you're not screwed maybe mistake but you're not screwed for life (laughs) i mean sex does have some serious consequences but there's ways to teach people there's ways to teach about that but also other things have serious consequences too that we don't say you're screwed for life if you make this decision yes so, I mean, a lot of people's marriages are ending because, first mm-hmm. of all, they didn't know the person they got married right. to. They shut off their emotions. So, a lot of them actually felt there, there's a problem with people not being attracted to their spouses because they weren't attracted to their spouses. And they thought it would they, come. They thought, oh, well, as soon as I'm married, I'll be attracted to the per- this person. That's not how that works. <laughs> and this may sound a little and bit they crazy. Thought they actually were super pious because they thought, I'm doing so good at this because I'm not attracted to this person and I will be once we say the Yeah, and this, like I, like I said, this may sound kind of crazy. Sometimes I step out of my evangelical background and my, and my faith mm. and I look at it from a from an outsider's point mm. of view and it sounds insane mm-hmm. like how could anyone actually think this but it is a majority of people around you telling you this mm-hmm. and weirdly enough it's so easy to believe that yes. yeah and so it's so easy to believe that that's where your worth is because because you're hearing it from the church, mm-hmm. but you actually are hearing it from culture yes, too. Yes, you so, are. I mean, a you're mainstream getting, culture, you do get you're it. You're getting, mm-hmm. um, and that was kind of what I was saying, is mainstream culture, people don't realize that in a way they have some of this damage from the purity yes. culture because they're they're being told in a different way, not a religious base, but they're being told that your value lies in your looks. It's your looks and, and your it's, body. Yeah. And they're doing it because they want to sell more mm-hmm. items. Right, yeah. And they want to sell you a pink mm-hmm. a pink razor and more makeup and perfume weight loss pills and weight and... loss pills and they want to they want to make money. Mm-hmm. So they're doing it for that reason. Why do you think why do you suppose these head head guys in the evangelical church decide this was a good idea? Because it's easy to control people. You think? Yeah. 100%. It's easy to control. Also fear. It's fear-based. It's 100% fear-based. And and fear causes it to be easy to control. But yeah, they're scared of their children getting hurt. So they try to think of ways to protect them. But you can't protect people against, like, basically life. Yeah. It's basically just, that's just life. Your feelings get hurt. You fall in love. You have little crushes. And you get over them, and that's part of growing up and learning how to live and learning how to manage your emotions <laughs> and be in a relationship. <laughs> I if you don't ever yeah. learn that, then it's the end of the world the first time you fight with your husband because you've never had any emotions for them. And, like, yeah, what the heck? The other thing I've read a lot You've of, never had to problem solve with this person ever. ever. Yeah. Now they're living in your house. You've never been naked in front of someone else. Now you're naked in right. front of them. Yeah. You're trying to... Oh, I can't... Just, oh, like, all at goodness. once. Oh, my gosh. Too much. Too much. <laughs> it's just too much. The other thing that happened... Like, and then if you're really lucky, you're having a baby nine oh, months geez. later. Oh, no. <laughs> Gotta keep that quiver full. <laughs> so That's a different topic. That's yeah. a different topic. But but the other the other little weird thing that happens is people who are asexual or gay or lesbian 
also weren't attracted to their spells, and they thought they were doing real good. Well, they're doing wonderful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Until they figure out later that, that they're asexual. A... <laughs> that person's not your spouse, they're your beard. Yeah. <laughs> it's bad. It's um, sad. So, and then they're married, and what are you going to do? So, and then the other thing is, is that if you want to leave a relationship because it's abusive, you're ruined goods, too. Yes. Well, so it's going to stop you from leaving because you've already had sex. So therefore, you're already and you're I'm already curious damaged about. goods. Yeah. Well, but you were doing it in the context of marriage, so technically you shouldn't be damaged goods, but divorced women and yeah. divorced men were looked at as damaged right. goods. So because they're divorced, mm-hmm. so if you're leaving for abuse, you're still looked at as damaged goods, but what if your spouse dies? Oh, then you're fine. Yeah. Apparently miraculously all this rules goes away. Yes. But divorce, definitely not. Yeah. So that I, person is still so, alive. So, yeah, if you have sex and your spouse dies, then you can have sex again with somebody else and you will ha- still have a fine marriage. Just, I don't know why. So you married <laughs> you married a divorced person. Uh-huh. So, who was damaged. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> but I mean, like, okay. but didn't people kind of warn you? I mean, a little bit, like... Did they talk to you about that part of it, or was it more Uh, just emotionally? I think that they were, I don't know that they talked about that part of it. I think they were more worried about the kid and the divorce part, not the sex part. I don't really remember getting talked about much about the sex part, but more about the, uh, definitely the the, the raising kids will be hard, having somebody co-raising kids with somebody will be hard, and then uh, being married to a divorced person will be very hard. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, I don't think that those are. That's not that's not those untrue. Are untrue statements. <laughs> They're not untrue. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I, I can't. What was it is interesting. Yeah, none of this stuff come came up with with the with a guy, the no. guy who had had sex before. It's interesting. <laughs> it doesn't. I feel like. I mean, I feel like it is definitely placed on. Yes. Me- it or it was. It, they say both. They definitely say both. But I feel like that they definitely put more emphasis on women being pure. Yes. Mm-hmm. I feel like a little bit more forgiveness. It was always like, oh well, if it was the the man, the woman was really expected to wait, really, 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 mm-hmm. and the man was a little bit. I feel like. Um, more forgiven right yes when they got married like it was more like a regular sin you screwed up you can get forgiven whereas a woman it's uh-huh. your entire worth your entire being yeah you and it was like mm. you really have to get over this and you have to find someone who can deal with this yeah because you're 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 screwed and up lucky you he wants to deal with you <laughs> <laughs> oh so do you think this exists now because oh. this brings me to my screenshot so josh harris did apologize yes for the book and he for the harm out. that it caused, basically. He apologized for the harm that it caused. I don't know that he's apologized for writing the book, but he did come out and, like, go on Twitter, and somebody was like, I didn't have a problem because Josh Harris, and he, like, tweeted under her, sorry about that. <laughs> and he's since done an NPR interview yeah, about it and talked about he, the fact that he was a 21-year-old. Yeah. And there's so, some problematic stuff about his apologies, but he did actually come out and say it was definitely the fact that he's even harmful. Yeah, and it was it was even putting himself yes, out there for sure. It's huge. Whereas none of these other do. people are yeah. putting themselves like the out older there dudes, or taking responsibility. Freaking Falwell and um, Dobson. Dobson. 
aren't taking any responsibility they're for not this. taking no. any responsibility and they're the ones who taught him and gave him all the ideas and all that yeah so yeah so i mean you got to give him a little bit of credit yeah. but what i was gonna say is i mean do you think this exists now still i've seen do you think it's daddy daughter purity cultures uh like i think as early as two years two years ago I think I saw one. So like a ball. Yeah, a ball. Purity ball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen daddy daughter dances or daddy daughter dates, and I don't feel like that falls into the category of the purity ball because it's not like you're dancing around thinking about your virginity. Yeah, but you don't see a lot of mom and son dates. I do actually. I mean, I have probably the same amount. Do you have the hashtag mommy son dates? Where do you have hashtag? No, I haven't noticed. Dates? I haven't oh. noticed. I mean. I think it's more Some of a broader culture thing. We have a lot of friends with a lot of boys. boys. Maybe and that's so, why. <laughs> like, and so I do I do see them spending time with them. But they just say always... quality time? Yeah. Mommy, dad, stop? son, quality time? Stop okay. Yeah, to that's going to be my judgy thing. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. When you say dates, it creeps me mm-hmm. out. And I get what you're saying, but at the same time, I'm like, eh. can you just say daddy-daughter night? Or, yeah. Or, daddy time. daughter time mm-hmm. or I brought my daughter to a dance mm-hmm. or I brought my daughter to dinner mm-hmm. anything but I feel like dating I'm like <laughs> daddy daughter dinner works <laughs> daddy daughter dinner daddy daughter lunch yeah. daddy daughter movie time yeah. it just but daddy daughter date yeah. sounds kind of creepy mommy son date sounds a little yeah. creepy too yeah oh yeah absolutely I get so. what you're saying I mean I get that it's not creepy I get that it's you're not actually dating them but let's but, but then then but that's then not worth it why Saying date. Yeah, exactly. It just has a little bit of that. Yeah, so, is it still exists today? Uh, according to some of the thing, uh, something that one of my friends <laughs> on Facebook posted. So, I'm going to describe this meme, and it is a little girl standing. She's probably about three, and she's standing with in front of a beautiful bride, like a beautiful gown bridal Mm -hmm. bridal gown Mm -hmm. and it's hanging up like in this awesome like awesome room that's super pastel and this gown is gorgeous and the little girl is wearing like a little white dress with little cap sleeves and she's holding a doll and she's gazing up at the wedding gown Mm -hmm. um and then underneath or the words that went with it i wouldn't say i guess it's a meme it's a picture with a lot of wording okay and like something you would see on Pinterest, maybe, maybe, okay, or on Facebook. It's definitely Facebook. Okay. I mean, I think you, yeah, you could probably see this on Reddit, but I think people would tear you apart. <laughs> <laughs> Most likely. <laughs> so, what it says is with this beautiful picture of this little girl basically dreaming of her wedding day mm-hmm. is what the picture gets across. It says, "A girl bought an iPad when her father saw it." pay attention it's her father which is you know at least he's uh, talking to her about this stuff when her father saw it he asked her what was the first thing you did when you bought it i put an anti-scratch sticker on the screen and bought a cover for the ipad she replied can you see where this is going mm. <laughs> did someone force you to do so no don't you think it's an insult to the manufacturer no dad in fact they even recommended using a cover for the ipad did you cover it because it was cheap and ugly? Actually, I covered it because I didn't want to get damaged and decrease in value. <laughs> when you put your cover on, didn't it reduce the iPad's beauty? The little girl answers, I think it looks better and it's worth it for the protection it gives my iPad. 
The father looked lovingly at his daughter and said, Yet if I had asked you to cover your body, which is much more precious than an iPad, would you have readily agreed? She was mute. And then it ends with the words, Indecent dressing and expose, exposure of your body reduces your value and oh respect. <laughs> Parents and grandparents, teach your ladies their value. May God guide us all. Oh, no. Okay, so. What, I mean, what was wrong with that? <gasps> They're just wanting peop- wanting girls to be, you know, proud of themselves and, and or, know their own value. Or be compared to objects <laughs> who have value. Like because, a monetary like value. Like a monetary value. Like they're comparing a person to an object. So what I'm saying found- that their value is based on how they cover themselves. Yes. Or protecting their value based on basically their value is their sexuality. And so if you expose your body, you reduce your value. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm all for modest dressing. I, I feel like I'm a, I'm a fairly modest dresser and I just do that naturally mm-hmm. because I feel more comfortable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so this, I mean, that's a whole nother topic is the modest dressing but the assigning the value uh-huh. is what is what disturbed me so much right. about reading this. Yeah. Like the sentence indecent dressing and exposure of your body reduces your value, value. and respect. Yeah. And I I totally understand how the world works. I see that when you are dressed kind of not for your surroundings. So like if you're wearing like we had talked about in our travel episode, if you're on the street in Bali and you're wearing Mm. a bikini top, people are going to be looking at you and not thinking that you're very respectful Mm -hmm. and making judgments about you Mm -hmm. because that's what they do. And that's how the value as a human being. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I feel like uh, if they had said respect, Mm -hmm. that would have maybe made more sense. Mm -hmm. Or respect, respect for others. Or saying, you know, others may view you in a negative light Mm -hmm. and know that going into it. Not that that's right, Mm -hmm. but just being aware that that's the way that Mm -hmm. the world kind of runs. Mm -hmm. But I just thought it was really interesting that he compared his daughter's body to an iPad. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sorry. When you have a beautiful, I mean, I'm going to put this out there. <laughs> when you have a beautiful, like, iPad and a new iPhone and you put the screen cover on, it does look uglier. Yeah, it, it does. does. <laughs> it looks much uglier. <laughs> I hate it. I'm like, it doesn't fit right. If you get it on a little crooked, it doesn't it's go around the circle right. There's air bubbles. <laughs> so I feel like it was a bad comparison. Yeah. But, I mean, just to kind of pull that into it it does still exist and we are still telling girls that their value is wrapped up in their outer appearance their value is wrapped up in their virginity their value is wrapped up in even their thoughts in their head and i feel like we are told the complete opposite in the bible that our value is in jesus right not in our body yeah lies yeah for sure. So and have, we're told that the world tells us our value lies in our bodies. In our bodies. But yeah, but it seems like with it the, seems like we're getting with the Christian told culture, this at we're church. getting told this at church for the opposite way. So you're really caught in the middle when you're a teen girl who wants to be popular at school and wants to be a good girl. So you 
your value is completely in your body no matter which way you go. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and mm-hmm. I'm going to just say, I mean, we've talked, you can get into a big topic mm-hmm. about uh, moderate, uh, moderate dressing and some people can really disagree. And, um, but I feel like it doesn't matter how modest you dress, mm-hmm. someone somewhere will have a problem with oh, the yes. way you dress. 100%. Um, you could be, I mean, there are women who are in burkas mm-hmm. and there are people in the world who think that they should be more covered. Mm-hmm. And there are people in the world who think they should be less covered. Mm-hmm. There are women in jeans who mm-hmm. people think are fine and some people don't think are fine. Mm-hmm. There are women, I mean, it... And business business suits who say, oh, that's way too sexy. And some people say, oh, that's exactly how you should dress when you're at work. Yes. No matter what you dress, you'll be criticized. So mm-hmm. I feel like there is there is a certain dress uh, feeling of self-worth, self-worth that does come with dressing. like when Culturally you... appropriate to the situation. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Culturally appropriate to the situation um, where you are going to feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I feel like that kind of goes there. Yeah. yeah. So have we judged the heck out of that? Yeah, I think so. Okay. What, how like, long did we talk? An hour and four minutes. <laughs> so is this two episodes? No. It's one whole episode. It's one episode. We're gonna torture you guys in okay. an hour of listening to us talk. But I think we got some stuff to edit out. So what? our ethical product today? Oh, you have one. I do. <laughs> I didn't even think about it. What is it? What is it? It's marriageapply.com. Oh, <laughs> Since we're talking about sex, I thought I'd just throw this in there. This is a cool thing, though. The podcast that we're going to link to below that interviewed Dr. Tina Shermer Sellers, those two ladies have created a sex shop, but it is a porn free sex shop and it's for products such as lube or some toys, massage oils, etc. So it really targets, you know, committed couples mm-hmm. that are really interested right. in making their sex life better but you don't have to worry about enhancing it yes or just bringing something in because you already have a good sex life and you want something else right (laughs) it doesn't matter and it's great because you don't have to worry about porn popping up on your computer screen while searching for lube or or (laughs) when you order lube getting sent porn porn i hate free. freaking a that it drives me crazy yeah. Here's your free gift. Here's your free gift for <laughs> porn thing. DVDs. You're like, yeah, how do I get rid of this? <laughs> it's an issue. So this one, you will not have this issue. It's called marriagesupply.com. It, again, was founded by two women. They have tested all the products. They only use the highest quality products. So check them out. They're great. They ship to all 50 states. They have free shipping for... Orders over $39. So, yeah, they're a great supply store for all your marriage needs. I really feel like they needed to set that at $69. <laughs> but I'm sure there's some other, like, disgusting porn site that does that. Yeah, probably. It's probably not a very new idea. I feel like I'm a genius, but not really. But they did lower, so there you go. Yeah, it's totally. lower than 69 Yeah. <laughs> So, thank you for listening to Ethical Quandaries, a podcast where we have a lot of questions, but no answers, and And we're we're judging you anyway. Technical support and photography by Tip Kingsley. Consultation by Mid Toker. 
Production music by EpidemicSound.com. Editing by me, Jessica Veldstra. If you have an ethical quandary or a comment, you can email us at ethicalquandaries at outlook.com. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Remember, if you enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. And become a patron 